0: Pat Philbin, Senior Vice President at Peer Systems and the former Director of External Affairs for FEMA, goes on the record online at the PRSA International Conference 2008 in Detroit.
1: At the end of the day, uh, there was no uh, malicious intent here. The questions that were asked were from media. Um, we could record that through the system we had. But it was still wrong. We shouldn't have done it. And had I recognized at the beginning of this what was about to happen, I certainly would have basically ended the the briefing immediately.
0: And thank you for downloading this very, very special episode of On The Record Online with Pat Philbin. He's a Senior Vice President at Peer Systems, and he's formerly the Director of External Affairs at FEMA. Um, The now infamous staged press conference occurred under his watch. And he was generous enough to talk to us at the PRSA International Conference 2008 in Detroit about hard lessons learned from a military communicator inside the Beltway.
2: Hi, this is Chris Bechtel. I'm the Vice President of Products and Services with iPressroom. And I'm here as part of a new segment we're testing called What You Can Do with iPressroom. This week, we're talking about campaign landing pages. Using iPressroom's media platform, non-technical communications pros can easily create, manage and measure campaign landing pages or event landing pages. So if you have an event or a specific outreach program, iPressroom will design and deliver a fully branded campaign landing page or an event landing page. These pages or sites can include flash video, registration forms, blog content, photos, much more. Ideally, these pages are best coupled with a search-optimized press release and other tactics that you will use to drive traffic to them. Once visitors hit that page, a registration form captures registrations and tracks conversions. To learn more about how you can use this, send us email to info at iPressroom.com or visit us on the web at www.ipressroom.com slash demo. Pat Philbin, Senior Vice President Pierce Systems
0: and formerly Director of External Affairs for FEMA, thank you so much for joining us here at the PRSA International Conference 2008 in Detroit.
1: It's a pleasure to be here.
0: So uh, I actually met you via podcast because uh, I know you did an interview. You were, you were gracious enough to grant an interview to my colleague, Kami Heise, uh just after the defunct press conference. Correct. That went sideways. Um, and I don't want to spend a lot of time on that because people have talked about that already, but just summarize what happened.
1: Well, essentially, we were moving very quickly. California wildfires were out of control. We had the uh, principals, the secretary of the department, and my boss, the administrator of FEMA, getting on a plane heading to California. There was considerable pressure from above to get on camera and provide an update to what was going on. Uh, At the end of the day, I walked in, assuming preparations had been made properly by my staff. Uh, They hadn't, and we walked right into a live link. And so by the time I had figured out that there were no media there, uh, nor were media able to answer or ask questions on the phone, it was really too late. Uh, So, uh, shame on me, Uh, as a a retired military guy, I said, look, it it shouldn't have happened the way it did. What Uh, what happened?
0: What went down?
1: Well, basically the briefer, uh, I was in the video teleconference with the the principal, Admiral Johnson, the deputy administrator of FEMA, and uh, he was asked by the department to uh, brief the public on what was going on and so when we walked in uh, my assumption was that the media had been advised well in advance at least an hour out and that they would be in the briefing room I walked in uh, and noticed very few people that I didn't recognize there and began to and I asked a question to my staff sitting next to me he said oh they were on the phone they couldn't get here well not knowing I later learned that the media advisor to get media there went out only 15 minutes before the actual event occurred not an hour like I had expected Of course, I thought people were going to be able to ask questions on the phone, and then I learned that it was a listen-only line. Again, uh, I don't know why that happened, but it didn't. I was in transition, uh, was heading to the Office of the Director of National Intelligence, uh, which was later rescinded to be his public affairs officer. I understand that. But at the end of the day, it was uh, well-intended staff trying to do the right thing, moving way too fast, uh, and, and I probably didn't appreciate uh, my own limitations in terms of just sheer exhaustion and not knowing what preparations had not been made.
0: But just to, just to be, f- be fair about it, what happened was there were media that weren't media that were there that were asking questions, right? So there were sort of these plants in the... F-
1: Correct, and they weren't necessarily plants. What I later learned was my staff had taken questions from phone calls from media that had come in that morning and they basically served them up and asked the Admiral the questions that had been asked. At the end of the day, uh, there was no uh, malicious intent here. The questions that were asked were from media. Um, we could record that through the system we had, but it was still wrong. We shouldn't have done it, and had I recognized at the beginning of this what was about to happen, I certainly would have basically ended the, the briefing immediately. You're a military guy. That's your background, right? I am. I, I retired chief of public affairs for the Coast Guard. So
0: you come from the world of command and control. Absolutely. That's That's... Your modus operandi, that's how you work. Right. So how, do, how does military come to terms with the fact that social media is compelling them to sort of lose control? I mean, when I look at all these things, all these high-profile debacles that you see, call me a cynic, but I say to myself, they probably were always happening, but now we're finding out about them for the first time because right. of all this social, you know, everyone's got a camera phone and it's impossible to hide anything anymore.
1: The way you deal with this is is actually very simple and and the Coast Guard, in my judgment, probably has the best uh, policy guidance of any organization that I've come up with. And and it's very simple. If you own it or have responsibility for it, you can talk about it. And if you don't, you can't. It's that simple. Um, What that does is it empowers and enables your workforce to talk to people who have questions about your organization. Now what you have to be careful about, though, is training your employees to recognize those issues or items for which they don't have responsibility for and they have to be willing to say one they don't know and two they're happy to refer that question to the right authority to answer it. This notion that you control information um, the Coast Guard has long recognized you can't control information so what you're trying to do is coordinate train your people appropriately give them the tools they need to deal with the media and then let them go do what they do. Trust me, the firemen, the rescue swimmer, they have much more credibility talking to media, uh, even in today's environment with with the social media than spokespeople uh, for organizations.
0: We all have these defining moments in our life. We've all made mistakes. I'm sure if you went into Mother Teresa's past, somewhere out there, she's made some mistakes. And we, as human beings, Lay lay our head on our pillow at night, and we recall things that have happened in our life. I wonder if it would have gone differently if I'd have done this. Tell us about how you think about this now in retrospect, and what you might fantasize about doing differently if you had the chance to do it over again.
1: Well, um, when I was in the Coast Guard, I used uh, Peer, the company that I'm with now. So um, as a comparison, in the Coast Guard, I used Peer, and in FEMA, we didn't have Peer. Um, what would I do now? I certainly would understand um, that the environment has changed dramatically, and, and by that, what I mean is that while it was it was it was our fault at FEMA that we that we conducted this press briefing and, w- and we did it I- improperly. It was the media who defined it as a fake press conference. There was no discussion about trying to pull a fast one so so the, the moral of the story for me was boy well, we, we the, the media defined it as a fake press briefing, not FEMA. It was There was absolutely no discussion about trying to pull a fast one. It was a confluence of really bad decisions. I would have pushed back a lot harder than I did on the Department of Homeland Security people, but they were very, very concerned about ensuring that the public knew we were out there and in control.
0: But, but you've been doing this long enough that um you must think to yourself before a news break, before a press conference, what biases, what pensions do I have to overcome in the media to get them really to honestly consider my point of view here? It's like, I remember when I first started in public relations, uh, my, my uh, uh, supervisor taught me that, um, you know, before you even pick up the phone and call media, ask yourself, what do they think of you? What's their bias? What's their penchant? And certainly, you know, there's been a real sort of uh, uh, feeling of, of, of negativity for the media against the current administration absolutely. for the most part. Absolutely. So you've got to know as a pro, I'm the guy at FEMA. I've got a target on my back, whatever. If I, if I, if I do, if I pick one hair in the wrong place, they're going to be all
2: over me.
1: Right. You're absolutely right. And I, and I do think that contributed significantly to, how the media characterized the event. FEMA was a four-letter word in anybody's lexicon. It was getting beat up by the Congress, the public, uh, the administration was beating it up. Uh, more importantly to me, it was the disaster victims that were criticizing the agency. That's why I went to FEMA to help people. Um, but you're absolutely right that um, you have to be, and let me tell you a little story here, which uh, during my time at FEMA basically affirmed for me the kind of environment we deal with. It had to do with the formaldehyde issue. There were allegations that FEMA hid it, uh, that they knew that these trailers, travel trailers, were, uh, were a risk. Uh, I can tell you there, there's no such thing. Now, there were some internal legal documents. The lawyers were doing their job to understand what was going on. But, but uh, I, I was having a conversation with a very senior editor with a very widely uh, pub, uh, large newspaper. I'm not going to mention it. But I was explaining to her that FEMA is not, uh, we don't define health standards. And for formaldehyde, there are no published or research regarding uh, health uh, standards within that industry. And, and I, I challenged her, I said, look, don't take my word for it. Please look at our website. As soon as I found out about it, I published everything I could find on it. Go do your own research. And her response shocked me. She said, look, that's not my job. I don't have time for it. That to me, uh, was the sort of the signature comment about the kind of environment we operate today they they have this little formula which is uh, good guy bad guy white hat black hat. and you know what it didn't matter what I said to her uh, I, I was the guy with the black hat but by that
0: same logic if if you know that if you're the guy with the black hat you gotta be real careful right I mean you can't take chances it it, I,
1: it it didn't matter what I that, said. And,
0: and I'll tell you, when I heard and I listened to your interview with Cammie twice, I found it so compelling and so gripping. And I really uh, give you a lot of credit for having the guts to do that interview and share what you learned with other people in this profession. I honor you for that. I really do. Uh, but the one thing, the one question that I kept coming up with in my mind is, this guy must have known he was a target. He must have known he had a target on his back. How could he have gone into this situation? How could he have made this slip up when he knew everyone was out to get him already?
1: Well, I knew FEMA was a target. Um, what, I, what I didn't appreciate at the time was that as a political appointee, I was the target. And so following the event, <laughs> um, and this is sort of the post-event issues that I had to deal with, you know, in a political environment where much of the public thinks the administration is trying to obfuscate truth, uh, the administration will take whatever action necessary to uh, wall that off and defend itself. And so you have this confirmatory bias issue, which is prevalent everywhere. We we tend to want to believe what we, we already think, and so for, for me it's... Uh, it really is especially challenging in this environment because that's, that's, the de- that's what we're dealing with. People have already thought FEMA was screwing up right and left. I will tell you, there was absolutely no reason for FEMA to try and pull a fast one. We were doing well in terms of the response to the California wildfires. Why would we want to? But you guys took such a hit over Katrina,
0: how do you come back from that?
1: Uh, y- you focus on operations and doing the right thing. That, the, the critical issue for communication people, in my, in my judgment and over the years of my, my experience, is you have to first focus on the knitting. You have to first perform well. Because if you don't perform well, th- the rest doesn't matter. So we were, we were working 18 and 20 hour days making sure we were performing well. The second part of that, which I learned very quickly, you have to communicate well. We did not do that very well. And, and so in, in the end, we made mistakes, uh, and I wouldn't do anything differently. My staff made mistakes, and, and it is what it is. Uh, but I've learned a great deal, and I will never make that mistake again, trust me.
0: Pat Philbin, Senior Vice President, Peer Systems, and formerly the Director of External Affairs for FEMA, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks.